All kids are different. Trust us. Between us, we've got warriors and warriors, cream puffs, wildflowers, and analytical toddlers. This week's episode is all about how we raise this wacky bunch individually and together. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young. My mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have. The only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. And never the emptiness, my mother always says. Spread your wings and fly, you can always come back to rest. And never the emptiness, my mother always says. Welcome to Never the Empty Nest. I'm Vanessa. I'm Nicole. And I'm Jackie. Welcome back, at least for us. This has been like a minute, right? Yeah. Since we've been together. Mm-hmm. So so it kind of feels like we're, we're I don't know, it's like, hmm, I'm kind of come back into the podcast mode. Um, so how, we're on this end, everybody's back to school, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. Um, and there's lots going on. Nikki, do you want to go first? Because you have a new member of the family and you have a lot going on. Yes, my nest has grown. We have a puppy uh, that we got on Saturday just a few days ago. So it's all very fresh and very new and very intense. She's a standard golden doodle. It's a lot of energy in this house right now. And it's a lot to adjust to. You know, it's funny because I always said like, mom always is like, oh, why don't you have three? Have number three, have a third kid. And I'm like, no, I'm done. God bless those who have more than two, two is enough. And now I feel the same anxiety that I feel like I have a newborn right now in the house. Like we're losing sleep. There's pee and poop everywhere. It's a lot of energy. I, she, I'm i like trying to train her, potty train and crate train at night to sleep. And she woke me up at 3.30 in the morning crying in the crate. And then it wakes up Lily and she started school. So then she's cranky and it's like... <laughs> I think there's a difference though because you're not afraid they're going to like stop breathing. No, of you know course. I mean? I mean, it's of well, course. It's not as stressful in that way. I used to stare at my babies. Uh, I, the infancy stage for me is horrible. Some people love it. I have friends that love newborns. For me, it's horrific and stressful. And I watch them sleep and I'm scared like the whole crib death and like, oh, so many things. You thought that Rose was choking when she was just chewing on her. That's true. I woke I, up Jonathan at 3.30 in the morning. I, I did. was there. I, I did. She's choking what's in her mouth. And the dog was just chewing on a, one of those treat bones. And now at she's... At 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. We just have a new chorus to the background of yeah. our podcast yeah. now. <laughs> As you can hear. Yeah, I heard it. Um, but I don't know. I, li- I love the name Rose. Mom has just come back from Los Angeles from visiting Rose and Nikki and Lily and Joaquim and Jonathan. Well, she came back with us. She went with you guys back home and then meaning back to LA. And then she came back to Miami yesterday. Yeah. And um, she was afraid of flying post pandemic land and she did it. Good job, mom. Whoop, whoop. Today we're going to talk about, we're going to have a whole episode about our kids and about how every child is different. And essentially what we're really talking about is child development, right? And how complicated and simple it actually is, right? I was just reading, and now tell me if I'm saying this wrong or right, Jean Piaget. 
That's how I say it. Yeah, his okay, French. I think it's right, but... <laughs> no, I think Swiss. Swiss? I thought he was French. He was a, an early, essentially, psychologist, influential psychologist. And he said he was the first person, essentially, to say that kids think differently than adults. I think that previous to him, people thought that, that kids were these tiny little adults. Like, they were just, like, little versions <laughs> of adults. And that their brains worked in little versions of, of adulthood, right? But he said no... Actually, their brains work totally different. And then Albert Einstein said that, that it was such a simple realization that only a genius could have discovered it. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it got me thinking about our kids and all of our journeys in, I guess, uh, how to deal with every single child that is not just they're different from us and their brains are developing differently, but they're different from each other, right? And like very, very, very different. And I thought I'll go into something that I'm going through because it's, it's sort of like started this whole thing. So essentially, Taika is um, now at an occupational therapist because he was having trouble dealing with his emotions. And there was a, essentially a discovery that this could have something to do with his, as we all know from other episodes, Taika, my children are adopted. And um, his birth mom drank throughout the pregnancy. So there was, there's the potential of fetal alcohol syndrome. And what that essentially does if what's happening is this, is that it creates little spots in the brain. And so there's just miscommunications in certain sections that you have to nurture him out of. So you have to practice him out of the thing, right? So then this brings up this massive nature versus nurture conversation, which we've been having since the beginning of time, right? So, you know, mom, I mean, with you, I feel like that's something that you've always talked about. Um, nature versus nurture. And obviously, I deeply believe in it. I think anyone who adopts kids believes in that. You know what I mean? Because you're essentially always dealing on the nurture side, unsure of the nature. It's very, very interesting. Even if you're sure about the nature mm -hmm. of your own, that you birth your own children, you really are not sure about your descendants and their tendencies or yeah DNA and their behavior. And that's why for me, it was so much about the nurture. And I have such faith and trust in it because I think it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Nikki, if we were to describe our kids, like, would you just, <laughs> how do you describe your kids? And then I'm going to describe my kids. Like in a one sentence thing, just to like give yeah. a, a how different they I mean, are. the spectrum is, yeah, it's like it's a rainbow. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Lily is very, you know, everyone says this about their kid, but she's amazingly intelligent. And in a lot of ways, she's like very analytical and very deep about certain things that kind of frightens me at her age. Um, <laughs> she's very intense and passionate. She's, you know, she's like very fierce and feisty, but she's also extremely sensitive. Mm -hmm. So it very hard on herself. And so it, it's really as a parent challenging to manage that type of personality because you don't want to squash, you don't want to mm -hmm. extinguish that kind of fiery, you know, passion and intensity, especially as a woman in this world. Uh, it's important, 
but you don't want to like she just stresses about everything so you kind of want to bring it down though like hey chill out it's okay like if this isn't perfect or you're falling a little behind or in this one project and you know she like stresses out about everything well let's talk about her what i remember from her visiting here in like pre-dog mode which is like yeah uh rose was coming you guys knew that rose was coming rose the new member of the family your puppy and she was like aya which is what she calls me aya i'm just not sure i've been thinking a lot and i'm just not sure she's gonna what if she's not happy in our home Can, yes and what if she doesn't like this house and what if she doesn't like us and it what? started as this and this is why actually talking about piaget because i was looking at the four stages of the development that he goes into yeah and you know they're yeah. most of our kids other than marina are in that two to seven stage two or three mm-hmm. I don't know. but in the stage of seven to eleven they start to be less they're less egocentric right and they start to think about uh-huh. how other people feel but i feel like lily is very mature in that way she's very empathetic she worries about other people she thinks about even this dog's feelings she would tell me and cry mom we're gonna be taking this puppy away from her mother mm-hmm. and her brothers and sisters and that makes me sad and what if she misses them and what if she doesn't love us and what what if we don't she was like literally obsessed with this until she got the dog it's it was like months of this and i was like oh my god lily it's it's okay like the breeder could not believe (laughs) this coming from a six-year-old first of all yeah so this is that's lily right there like that's just that's how she is and then joaquim on the other hand is like you know he's i i worry about him in a whole different way he's like just he's a little cream puff you know he's very sensitive he's very to quote Moonstruck as we usually do. He's a bigger baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will continue, FYI, to um, use Moonstruck lines because we do that throughout life. All the time. All the time. Yeah. He's not that like rough and tough kind of like wild boy throwing himself off stuff. And not that I don't like to categorize what a boy and a girl are like at all. But um, he's just in general as a little human, whether boy or girl, he's mm-hmm. just very sensitive, very kind of soft and very like, I worry about him going to school. I think I, he needs it. And I'm, I wanted him to start school and we decided not to. And we'll get there at some other point today. We'll get there a little later today. Yeah, but we'll get there. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a totally different human. He doesn't want to try new things. He's four and he's still in pull-ups. And he does, he's, <laughs> he's, he can't be bothered with any... He does, he's Peter Pan. He doesn't want to grow up. And Lily's the yeah. opposite. She thinks she's, you know, she's always been an old lady since she was born. She's like six going on 16. Yeah. So it's two very different personalities yeah. in one household. Well, remember that Jonathan used to call her Beverly. <laughs> yes. oh, I'm the sorry for the Beverly's yeah. of the world. The accountant Beverly, very concerned about the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Lily, since she was a baby, always had the, the face of, <laughs> of, of concern. Of concern. Yeah. yeah. So Jonathan, her dad, <laughs> Nikki's husband, would call her um, the accountant, Beverly in accounting. It's Today we have Beverly in accounting. Which, by the way, I will interrupt. I had a boss whose name was Beverly, and she was the supervisor and director of the whole accounting department. And she was very serious, and rightfully so, about her numbers. Yeah. Okay, so not to judge all Beverly's though. I'm sure there's really, I'm sure there's cream puff Joaquim-like Beverly's in the world. Um, as for my kids, they, we know we've talked about Taika being like the wild child. And it's very interesting because he's very, very like, definitely has the best laugh in the world. Like that is 100%. 
Yeah, it's just like contagious mm-hmm. and it's real and it's just like crack up kind of laugh. <laughs> and he loves to laugh, you know? Yeah. But um, he definitely gets wild. And um, at the same time, and here's the contradiction, he's also a super bottler up of feelings. And now I'm coming to the understanding that it's because he's not sure what to do with all of them. And then Marina is, is still in discovery. I'm still in discovery of, of her personality because she's so little, but she definitely has a one. And it is, I would say, number one, she's super warm family, like close-knit family. It's like the, the little cocoon. But at the same time, I discovered the other day, she's a little performer when people come over. <laughs> and she's super smiley, but also like, um, that deadpan, I've seen all of this, everything is great, I'm fine, face. Super chill. Super calm, very earthy, like earth sign for sure. And um, we take her anywhere and she's just like, cool, which is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, we could be on a boat and she's like, yeah, cool. She's like, whatever, whatever. we're unfazed. in the car going to like, whatever, unfazed. She's, she's like Barack too- Obama. which is just cool like just awesome and cool right you never know when he's too excited or too upset that's true like jonathan very like my husband yeah yes yes it's a great equalizer for an intense family 100 for sure also don't mess with her because she'll smack you that's real (laughs) well she has to self-protect you know she has to protect herself protect against the wild child but why don't we go into Nikki, your decision. I mean, my questions are this. Mom, how did you make decisions with nature and nurture and like all of these child development decisions, considering that things change, right? Because you and I were talking about like how Dr. Spock was the thing when you were raising kids. You know what I mean? Right, right. It was not too long ago that Dr. Spock at that time, right? 1979 for me when Vanna was born was the thing. From memory, it's not that I I have to admit I didn't read his entire book, but this caught my attention and I will never forget where he said, you know more than you think you know, mothers. And that goes back to what I believe in is that you really have this built-in teacher that we really don't know how to access all the time. We have this, I believe, this wisdom already there because there's a force in the universe that is always with you if you believe. And besides that, I do believe that I'm not sure about reincarnation yet, so uh, I'm not even going to talk about that. What I'm talking about is more of a Carl Jung belief that you inherit experiences and you inherit mm. knowledge, I believe. And so you bring all that, that's all inside of you and with you. And then obviously you read, um, and even if you don't follow an instruction book, everything one reads has an influence on us. Either you believe it or not, it strikes you like, well, this can work for me. I feel comfortable with that. And so Talking about Dr. Spock and Piaget, there were things about them, I suppose, and I had that epiphany actually today when Vanna started talking about this, that I read some of that when I was younger, much younger, even before I was married. I have a worrier, uh, Vanessa. I had to take her to the worry doctor, as we called it. Yes, I remember. When she was about in fourth grade, because she would worry about everything. Nikki, on the other hand, 
has become a worrier, by the way, but her en- energy is more calm, less intense, mm-hmm. more relaxed. And so I had those two polar opposites to mm-hmm. work with and experience. It's challenging for mommies and daddies and anyone that's raising little human beings to deal with that. There's been, since Spock, obviously, there's been like, well, that's a very like heterogeneous way of looking at child rearing, and there's many other ways, and here are all the gajillions of ways, which is wonderful, and also is tormenting for parents, yeah. because it's like, everybody has their way, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily that one is, you know, wrong or right or the other, but I I actually read a, a while ago, and I revisited it this morning, this book called How Children Succeed by Paul Tuff. It's really good. They did a study of of kids who were from two socioeconomic brackets. So like very wealthy, and then kids whose parents were on welfare, right? And they realized that there was a trajectory of success, right? On one side or the other. And okay, you know what the, the difference was in the study was that by three years old, the kids with two professional parents had 30 million words had heard 30 million words, right? In vocabulary, like they had heard that many. And the kids that were, had parents on welfare had heard 10 million, which is a huge gap, right? But if only it were so simple, because then he goes on to this whole other thing about yes, but something that also measures success is not just like how much information you put in your brain, but also things like grit. Mm -hmm. And you can't, actually like grit is something that's formed through experience more often than not Mm -hmm. and actually by the absence of of potentially having everything right privilege exactly so it's very very by the absence of privilege privilege. right so then this quote i'm just going to read it because i was like wow this is fascinating in the past decade and especially in the past few years a disparate congregation of economists, educators, psychologists, and neuroscientists have begun to produce evidence that calls into question many of the assumptions behind the cognitive hypothesis. What matters most in a child's development, they say, is not how much information we can stuff into their brain in the first few years. What matters instead is whether we are able to help her develop a very different set of qualities, a list that includes persistence, self-control, curiosity, conscientiousness, grit, and self-confidence. Which to me is really interesting because I actually, the thing that right now we're trying to nurture in Taika is Mm self-control. And then I think about the contradiction and the paradox in this because you think, well, grit is something that actually sometimes people with privilege have to like nurture in their kids because they don't actually have that by nature in the sense of, not by nature, but by circumstance. And meanwhile... I, like the fact that we're going to an OT is actually a privilege. Yeah. You know what I mean? So giving that kind of like self, it's so many layers of everything when you're dealing with child development and child rearing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's an onion. So I don't know. It's a lot. And partially, Nikki, maybe you can talk a little bit about the big question that you were faced with in the last couple of weeks, which was to put Joachim in school or not. Yes. So my son has, with this whole pandemic thing, I've been uber, uber careful in general for all of us, obviously, but specifically Joaquim, because he has um, an underlying condition, which is called spherocytosis. It's a hemoglobic um, 
anemia. So basically, it's his red blood cells are shaped another way, blah, blah. Basically, if he gets sick, whatever virus, a cold, his hemoglobin goes down. He's had three blood transfusions. So it's very, this has been a very stressful time. He was supposed to start school last year in pre-K three, like Lily did. And I didn't, obviously, because he's not going to sit in front of a computer at three years old at home. And then I was so excited he was going to start this week with Lily at the same school in the Montessori here. And I kept losing sleep over this. I kept having so much anxiety and crying about it. I was so stressed out about him physically. And I would go back and forth because I'm like, well, developmentally, it's important also socially for him to go to school. But in the end, I was like, well, he needs to stay alive and healthy. So I get that's the most important thing. So for me, it was so hard because I was like, you know, kids are resilient. So if even the teachers were so great, even the principal, because last minute, literally last week, I called the principal and I was like, I just can't do it. I was going to, I, I, I just, I'm stressing out. They totally understood. They're like, he'll catch up. You know, he's four. It's okay. You do what you need to do for your family and your needs. And it's okay, you know. So I decided to keep him home and it's a challenge. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's stressful having him here too. Mm-hmm. You know, I was excited about like doing my own thing <laughs> and actually starting to get more work done and songwriting and going back to auditions and, you know, just having my own time. And I was excited for him to make friends and go to school and learn things, you know, but in the end it was just, I had to weigh out like which one was more stressful and more dangerous, you know? And so here we are, I have a puppy and a four year old (laughs) and, um, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And it's funny because it's every circumstance is different with the parents too, because you, you decided to stay at home for the beginning of their of their lives right and of your kids lives and i don't i'm working all the time and even that factor is a difference like for me it's incredibly stressful the school starting has been like oh my god the drop-offs and pickups i live in the car yeah what is that and and i'm like i have to figure this out because i need like this is it totally interferes with the work day you know what I mean? But at the same time, you want to acclimate them and you want to be like, I love you and I'm the one taking you to school and like have that whole experience. So I'm having a major, like yesterday I had someone else pick him up and then we're talking about the bus and all kinds of things. And he was upset yesterday because someone else picked him up. Yeah. He didn't like it at all. Yeah. Well, this is why I told you, <laughs> squeeze us in because I and Abu can do that yeah i also have nikki you wanted to say something i know about montessori and even the choice of montessori in general i yeah i just think like if we're gonna talk about piaget we should talk about maria montessori go ahead and do that because then i have a a conflict that's happening in my brain right now because taika goes to montessori right now and i love montessori and the ot has just told me that montessori might not be the best thing for him and i'm freaking out which is hard to understand because well we'll get into it because there's people who don't know who maria montessori is so so talk that's why you must speak first she was uh, an italian doctor a physician an anthropologist and she devoted her life to understanding how children develop not only intellectually socially physically spiritually and she observed children throughout the world um, and she just she discovered universal patterns of development in all children. Doesn't matter what culture, where you're from, what time. She was one of the first women to get a diploma as a physician in Italy, which I didn't know. Wow. Yeah, Go and Maria. she w- ha- she was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1949, 50, and 51. She rocked. Dang. She was a visionary. Yeah. 
uh, she worked a lot in clinics and schools. Like she started at schools and clinics for children with physical, mental, and emotional challenges. And she really began to see the importance of like positive nurturing environments for kids mm -hmm. and how, how important that was, um, how, how kids are being treated by adults. As Albert said, <laughs> an idea so simple, it takes a genius to have uncovered it. Well, I mean, she has a quote in her own words, for example, like she says, my vision of the future is no longer of people taking exams and proceeding on that certification, but of individuals passing from one stage of independence to a higher by means of their own activity through their own effort of will, which constitutes the inner evolution of the individual. Amen. And then they were saying that children themselves found a sentence that expressed that inner need and they would say, help me to do it myself. And that's like a very interesting, like paradoxical <laughs> request mm -hmm. you know help me to do it myself that's great it's so great and that's literally if i had to that's so good if i had to say what montessori mother was all about it's like that one request from the child right so basically so you understand it the, the method of education for montessori is based on self-directed activity mm -hmm. so it's a controlled uh, freedom in a way. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, it's hands-on learning, it's collaborative, the classroom, uh, the children uh, make creative choices in their learning. And, you know, there's highly trained teachers for this very specific method. And, you know, it offers just appropriate activities to guide, you know, the process and the children work in groups and individually to explore, you know, the knowledge of the world and to develop their own maximum uh, potential, right? Yeah. Individually, we all learn differently. We all have our, a different pace. They can learn through their own ex experience, basically, and, mm -hmm. and, and learn at their own pace. You know, every material supports an aspect of the child development, matching the child's natural interests with the available activities. I think it's really important also that uh, people know that in a Montessori classroom, it's not just learning math and addition. You're, you're, you have pre-K three, four, and kindergarten in one classroom. I swear we're not paid by Montessori's. It's like, uh, we are not <laughs> sponsored by... No, I just think it's so amazing. And I think that it really prepares you for life. It's like a lifelong learning. This, this, it, what it does is it creates that environment for the child to nurture its own, their own interests and it gives them confidence mm -hmm. it teaches you know empathy you know the the kindergartners help the three-year-olds the three-year-olds uh, learn from the yeah uh, the kindergartners there's nature they have to plant things outside they talk about it's it's so it's really just teaching you how to live in the world and be a balanced human being and i think it's really spectacular for someone like lily and i love it and it's really hard for me to come to an understanding. I'm like, wait, what are you telling me that this may not... Mom, you want to say something? You go first. I never graduated. I was shy maybe two... Semesters. Semesters or a semester from my bachelor's uh, because of life decisions I made. But in three years or three and a half years, I uh, was never exposed to Maria Montessori. This was 1976. I'm sure or I hope that by now it's more inclusive to her because it's so very amazing. But I, what I want to just bring up is that Vane is now going to be confronted with making a decision that very well may be against the opinion of the professional who yep. otherwise yes. is wonderful. 
because she now has to go back to her teacher and her wisdom and her mm -hmm. DNA and everything she experiences and, and ha is confronted with listening and then saying, okay, this is my kid and this is what I feel right. is best. So that's what I was going to get to because here's the question that's come up. The question that has come up is, Montessori is definitely about self-starting. Yes. Right? It's for self-starters. And and as soon as the professional I'm dealing with said that, I was like, yes, it's for self-starters, but also for the building of self-starters. So Exactly. So there's a contradiction already in the conversation. And also you have to come to the understanding that people are taught a certain way and mm -hmm. they're going to give you those teachings. So it is a matter of, I'm going to take every single element of information in and not make a choice until I feel that that's the right choice for my kid. There's a couple things happening. So I'm receiving the information that from, I love personally, I love Montessori. Taika comes home very, very, very quiet from Montessori. And it's interesting because he's not like that when he goes to play with his friends. So whoever's listening understands that this is not just theory for Vanessa or Nicole. They I, We went to Montessori. So they experienced it. We experienced it and both loved it. And I would definitely say that I'm a self-starter, for sure, you know, and I think that that's in us. But um, then the OT tells me, you know, he might, because for him right now and the way that he's dealing with emotions, Montessori will make it easy for him to stay on the margins and on the outskirts. That's not necessarily something you want, might want for him right now. Like the whole thing right now is like face the emotion, face the thing. And because Montessori is about like, I get to choose to do this thing. And I do actually remember that. And here's where my personal experience counters what she's saying, because I actually remember loving that being a very, very shy child yes. and saying, wonderful, I don't have to go over there. I can stay over here. And that being something positive for me. You know what I mean? So then it's like, okay, I'm going to go and see the school that this person says, I am going to go through the, the occupational therapy, which is what OT stands for. Probably not as long as she's thinking because she's in her brain. We're like going to do this till he's in like freaking high school. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. My gut tells me that that's not what this is going to be. But I'm going to listen to everything and then say, okay. But what I am constantly telling myself is, One, you are not him. Two, you have personal opinions. Three, take in all the information. And then four, you have to make the decision, you being me. As a mom, you, it's so exhausting, right? Yeah. <laughs> to be a parent. All the time. Um, yeah. Because you're like, what's right and wrong? That's what all the, you know, the, all the professionals, I lied to my pediatrician about the sleep training thing. I still <laughs> lie to her because I can't deal with, I don't want to deal with the freaking lecture. I totally lie to my pediatrician. The lecture that they give you and every mm -hmm. single book you read, every single article yeah. is how bad that is for the child, how good it is to let them cry it out. and Which yeah, right. is fine no for p other people, but for me i couldn't and there's nothing wrong with that everyone has their own opinion yep. i just couldn't do it and i didn't see the need by the way in europe uh kids sleep uh, on an average because i looked it up to, with their parents till they're like eight years old and we slept with mom till we were like eight or nine and we're super independent people so like deeply independent and, yeah. and by the way speaking of self-starting in montessori i wasn't naturally a self-starter I, i wouldn't consider myself a natural no. self-starter and and i you know montessori was great for me too i think the beautiful thing about montessori 
Montessori, the whole point of it is that every child uses it in whatever way they need it for. I may come out of this and say, actually, Taika's in the perfect place. But the point is that every single parent has to decide yes. for their own child. Exactly. And the only people that at the end of the day really know that is the parent. And the only people that really know your child is you. Yep, I agree. So it's really hard to diagnose you know or, or give a, a mm -hmm. you know uh, it's not black and white every kid is different another reason Montessori is great like everyone learns differently see I thought it would be good for Taika I actually wrote it down I was writing notes on Montessori and I was like I thought it would be great for Taika because he gets overwhelmed. For example, Lily, for Zoom, it was a disaster. All these Montessori <laughs> kids doing Zoom school with sheets of paper because they're used to doing going and picking a right. job from whatever yeah. section they want, social or environmental or math or language. And there's actual materials to practice. It's an activity, right? Mm -hmm, and then they mm -hmm. have all of these... Um, paperwork now in front of a computer and this teacher talking all the time and it's completely different yep. and they had such a hard time and lily mm -hmm. gets very over for example she likes language more than math <laughs> duh in this family <laughs> and <laughs> and um she you know the other kids would like know all the answers of addition and she'd do the cards and they'd she'd be falling behind right on the paper on the worksheet and she'd be freaking out and she just like freezes and starts to cry and you know, when you're in the classroom, you're you're working. Each student is doing their own job right. at their own, at pace, their own pace, which gives mm -hmm. them confidence. I was amazed when I went on a tour to Montessori. First of all, I went and sense memory is crazy. I remember the beads and the wo the wooden cylinders. It's crazy yeah. how much you remember. I'm 40 and I remember the classroom. This occupational therapist, from what Van is telling me, I believe is great. Uh, because of everything that, that she has shared with Vane, right, regarding uh, Taika and, and what we know of him. But I think that the lack of knowing really profoundly yeah. the subject matter, because Montessori is all about self-discipline. So I don't know about the self-starter situation. That is a current society word, being a self-starter and it's more about self-discipline, which is actually what Taikito, I would love, we would love for him to learn. And part of self-discipline is, you know, it's knowing. It's just self-control. It's the thing. Exactly. It's self-control. And, and I mean, every kid is different. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe let's give our, our, our closing thoughts mm -hmm. on the matter for today. Yeah. Well, I think Nikki... You, no, you seem no, no, to no. Want to share. I, I, no, because it was just another Montessori thing. I could talk forever about Montessori. <laughs> okay, obviously, what would be fascinating to me is if Joachim hates Montessori. He might, but <laughs> no. I'll keep him there. I don't care if he hates it. Sorry. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Forced. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Only till kindergarten if he really hates it. But I, I do think that. Can I just say that yes and no? Because we started this program by you saying that you literally took him out of school. Um, right now because of health issues. So again, every every moment is different. I know. Every kid is I different know. and everything is, everything we do is absolutely different. And I don't, you know. Sometimes you have to be the parent and be like, okay, you have to stay here. Okay, that's our job. Now these like, obviously, all these like very, listen, I'm very hippy dippy about a lot of things, but there's a lot of this like new age parenting of like, let all the kids decide everything for themselves. Yeah, but it's not about them deciding because like, for example, when I say, 
Taika comes home very quiet. He's not telling me I don't like school. He actually says, I like school. Yeah. I like the friends. The friends, yeah. I've heard him say it. It's so the cute. The friends. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, which friends is that? And he's like, all the friends. <laughs> all the friends. <laughs> With his accent. Um, yeah. Taika has the best, like, just, I don't know where you're from accent ever. Yeah. Um, I, that's my point, though. When you walk into the classroom, they're all so quiet. And they all have different yeah. personalities and they're all wild. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, that environment, I was just like in yeah. shock when I went I into the, you know what I mean? So, no, I love it. So mm -hmm. I just think it's awesome for all different types of reasons, for all different types of kids. Yeah. My closing thought is, despite my sister's extreme adoration of Montessori... <laughs> I will say that I internally feel the same way. I'm just not saying it out loud as compulsively because I think that the whole point of my, like my final statement of the day is every parent knows their kid. Yes. And every parent at the end of the day is going to take in a whole lot of information, both societally and written and familially, and then they're going to make a decision yeah. for their kid, you know, and whether it's the right or wrong decision, it's the right thing for the moment. Yeah. And, you know, Kids have to be forgiving of their parents. They're doing the best they can. It's so hard. <laughs> um, and mom, last words. Trust. I think that we need to practice more on trust. It gets easier when you trust your own discernment. So trust that you are going to find that answer joyfully. Mm -hmm. You take all of that and you say, okay, I, I believe this and I believe that. I'm not cool with this and I'm not cool with that. And you exactly, you do what you feel is best for your child, for your family, for your nest. Yeah. That's what it's all about. I don't I don't mean that everyone needs to go to Montessori. Sorry. I just really love Montessori. But it's I, I have a friend that took her uh, child out of Montessori when, she, when he was little because she felt like it wasn't for him. For him. I will say I'll end with a with a lovely image that happened last night. So last night was last night was the feast day of La Virgen de la Caridad del Cobre, which is Cuba's patron saint. We, a group of us, went to the mass, and at the end we went to the water because there's a water, um, there's like a malecón, which is a seawall in this very specific church, which is essentially a national monument. It's a shrine. It's a shrine. Um, it is the so the 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 Virgin herself. She was um, taken from Cuba. They call her La Virgen Mambisa, so the, the, the warrior fighting spirit of the Virgin and also an exile and refugee in her own right because she was snuck out of a Cuba where she was not allowed to be worshipped. And um, they, you know, they've enshrined her in this space. And so a group of us went, and at the end we went to sing Madre del Mar, which, um, um, yeah, which is a song that you know. Nikki, but it's about um, a mother calling her children and, uh, and the children calling their mother and that call and response. And it's a really beautiful song. It's an old spiritual that we learned from an actor, actually, and then joined with, with a song that we all created. And we were singing it by the water at the end, just us, a very intimate group of like six of us. It was really, really, really lovely. And then at the very end, when we had all finished, there was three manatees a mom and uh, like a family of manatees. One was a baby and they had come up. You know that there's only like 10,000 of them in the world. Yes. And there were three of oh them that had God. come up, but they had, they came right up to us I... and they put up their little noses and the little baby manatee was there. And I was just like, so much oh that we God. don't do. Oh. I just, I don't know. And then I was like, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you've ever seen a manatee, they just really are. 
Yeah. So so anyway, it ended with a wonderful moment of love between that like mother child bond, you know, that bigger spiritual and yeah. then these little manatees. So I just leave you with that image. And say join us next time on Never the Empty Nest. Bye. Bye. All of your success, she says, all the great things ahead. I'll be here when it's time to see you again. And if you fall, she says, if someone